And that giant cacophony tells you that you're listening to the Power of Three podcast, Scotland's leading Doctor Who podcast full of just nonsense and funniness and silliness, hopefully. And we've got a special guest today doing his first ever podcast. So, special guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Number one, what's your name and where'd you come from? (laughs) My name's Darren Scott and I come from Edinburgh. And what do you do for your job, Darren? I'm the editor of SFX magazine. Yay! Which, of course, everybody should buy, but we will, of course, get gratuitous plugs in throughout for that. I suppose, straight away, we should say that you and I have been friends for a very long time. <laughs> yes. I was actually, um, I was working it out, and it's 30 years. That is quite terrifying when put in context, isn't it? Was it, was it the, the anniversary? Sorry, I say the anniversary like we haven't had several since. The 30th anniversary. Was <laughs> it that, was. was that when we, That's when you, you came to Edinburgh and joined the group in uh, 1993 because it was during the summer break when I was back in Glasgow and um, a few people had said, oh my God, you're going to love this new guy who's, who's come along. And um, I think it took about maybe like six seconds to fall in love with you, Darren. So, <laughs> If only I still had that power. Oh, shut up. You've got mega powers. You just keep them concealed. You're like a superhero in, in hiding. But I suppose it's fair to say that um, the likes of Doctor Who, Star Trek Voyager and all these shows have been passions of yours since a very young age. Oh, I mean, I don't... I can't remember the very first sci-fi thing that I watched, but I, I know that I've always been obsessed with sci-fi and certainly always with Doctor Who. And... Thankfully, that was always something that was always always encouraged. I, I had two younger brothers, so we were always into all of all of that kind of stuff. You know, the the the, um, the classic cartoons of the of the era, all the toys, all the sci-fi movies, the TV shows. Of, of, you know, there weren't that many at the time, but it's yeah, it's it's kind of um, it's kind of weird to me now that it's it's all come full circle and things that I was writing about in school as a kid, I'm now writing about every month for a living. It's quite incredible. I mean, there's that era, just the cartoons that we had, the likes of Transformers, Thundercats, Ulysses 31, just all these things going around, coming back in, in new and different forms. Yeah, but the, the, thing, the thing that's important about all of that is that those ones are always there. So, um, you know, and particularly now, uh, I mean, obviously when, when we first met, it was very difficult to get hold of these things, um, but now they're just so accessible. So those things always exist. So even if you don't like the new Dungeons and Dragons movie, um, there is always the original cartoon on DVD. Hey, it's a Dungeons and Dragons ride. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> We're not going to do the whole title sequence here. I'm just stopping <laughs> us now because I know what's going to happen next. Uh, you're going to turn yeah. into Diana, aren't you? Well, I was going to say I started off as Eric and now I'm Dungeon Master. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, can I be Diana then? 
if you want. Yeah. Just keep your stick to yourself. <laughs> I'm not going to go battering you with it yet. <laughs> that said, I still think the best episode was the Dragon's Graveyard. Oh, it was sinister. I mean, that, that whole thing, the, the whole show was bleak. Like the whole, the premise that um, that they, all actually, they actually died on the ride, and this is the afterlife, um, was something that I became aware of later as a fan, and and I thought, wow, that is actually quite, um, it's quite bleak. So they never, I mean, they never got home. So yeah, grim. Ooh, let's move on. Let's talk Doctor Who. What's your <laughs> first Doctor Who memory? Uh, I would say it was the Marshmen coming out of the water in full circle. I think that's, it's funny how that and um, the Sea Devils seem to be the ones that so many people yeah. seem to recall. There must be something about Doctor Who monsters in water that, that just seems to work. Um, but I think it's also, um, it's also quite a... Um, a scary thing generally because you just don't know what's in the water like you know with shark movies and all that kind of stuff it it sort of does tap into a, a terror that we that people do have because you don't know what's down there so um you know to see daleks or sea devils or marshmen coming out of the water not good no definitely not but of course we should say that full circle is not your favorite story because I think uh, between us, you and I could probably spend the next 100 minutes or so quoting verbatim Time and the Rani. I mean, yes, uh, I, it is, I mean, I go back and forth actually. I, I kind of say that it, it is my favorite story. I love, I do adore it. Um, but I also think, I, I think the Happiness Patrol just picks it now. I think as I've gotten, I, say, I shouldn't say gotten, that's terrible. As I've got older, uh, slightly older I think I now really really appreciate the nuances of the happiness patrol whereas um, Time and the Rani I just enjoy it because it's absolutely balmy yes I think it's one of those ones that I will happily stick on if I'm sort of thinking just knackered at the end of the day Time and the Rani is just such a good story to whack on and just just chill out with because it's just as you say completely bonkers and so quotable yes I think I did a fanzine once. I mean, this, this is, I mean, you and I both started out doing fan Doctor Who fanzines many, many years ago. Um, and I did, I think I listed, like, I think there was 101 reasons to love Time and the Rani. I must dig that out. Um, I'm sure there's more than 101 reasons to love Time and the Rani. <laughs> but um, I just, I think it, particularly at the time when we first met, it was, it was just, it was had that kind of fan thing about it that people were just so up in arms about how terrible it was and I think over the years it, it has kind of become appreciated albeit for um, perhaps uh, camp reasons or whatever but um, uh, at the time you know fandom was up in arms and who would have thought that you know 30 plus years later we'd have a bazillion other things to be <laughs> concerned about people have forgotten Time and the Rani or Twin Dilemma or well, I mean, they haven't forgotten them. They probably tried to forget them, but... Uh... <laughs> but you and I won't let them succeed. <laughs> rah, rah, raid, raid. I just love that there are action figures for Time and the Rani. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yep. that's... You've really made it when there's an action figure, isn't there? So Totally. Do you have a tech trap with real leather wings? I do. I have uh, I have a variety of tech traps uh, with different kinds of wings. 
bizarre because they they released them with cloth ones later didn't this is so nerdy that i know this but they released them with cloth ones later because i think the leather ones were too probably too expensive i say leather they weren't real leather (laughs) leather probably (laughs) leather tetra do you think you could probably collect enough of them together you could make yourself a pair of tetra trousers I would need a hell of a lot of tear traps now for that. Oh, shush. You're still smaller than I, you maybe scalp. God, tear yeah. trap thing is ridiculous. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yes, Mistress Rani. No, it's not quite It's not quite enough. There's, there's too deep. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you could do that on OnlyFans and get a bit of money for that. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, from all the time when the Rani fans who like to listen to Urak talking to them. <laughs> do you know that you need to wear special gloves when you do that? They're called my Richard Gauntlets. What? Who played Urak? Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Okay. I get. Oh my it. god! I out geeked you, Darren, and time with the Rani. I was thinking you were talking about you need to wear special gloves for OnlyFans, and I was just like, well, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to question it. No, 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 no. No, let's um, let's move on to writing. You mentioned there um, the fact that we both used to do fanzine writing, mm. Paisley Pattern, and other many other things. But the thing that I still laugh is um, your interactive guide to Dimensions and Time. Oh, it's, it's it's the best thing ever. The cliffhanger is fantastic. You're going on a journey. How long? <laughs> a very long journey. All that yeah, stuff. That was all- that was all Rocky Horror stuff because I was—I I mean, I was and I am really into Rocky Horror. So I think there was a seed of an idea from somewhere else, as you know, journalists are prone to doing. And they thought <laughs> I just thought, oh, I'll just run with that and and uh, did a whole thing and uh, absolute nonsense. But um, again, you know, I love Dimensions in Time again because it was during—it was all those wilderness years that we we were all friends initially and. Uh, and certainly, um, you know, that crossed over into that sort of hardcore fandom almost, if you want to define it, that we didn't have new things, did we? So we had new adventures, missing adventures, dimensions in time, and we were taking little bits where we could get them. And dimensions yeah. in time is, is a hoot, you know. Um, I know it wasn't supposed to be, but again, it's one of those oddities now that you look back and think, gosh, people are getting so up in arms. Um, on social media about the silliest of things. Could you imagine what it would have been like if they'd been around when Dimensions in Time first came out? <laughs> I think they'd probably have melted the internet with their rage. <laughs> it's great. You know, there's loads of extra footage for that, and it's all on YouTube now. And there's all Oh, yeah, yeah. David Roden's released it. It's yeah. wonderful, all these little bits, and just, oh. And, of course, we had two friends at the recording, but that's another story for another day. Um, but, yeah, it's it's wonderful. I just love it. I just wish they could get it all tidied up and we could get it on a lovely Blu-ray format to last forever and ever, rather than my converted from VHS to DVD format. And I've still got my 3D glasses. I still have my 3D glasses somewhere. That's nonsense. Um, it is funny how as that, there's that fan gene where we kind of... We don't need it. Um, we have it. It's readily available now everywhere. But we still want, you know, that it still has to be complete. So there's all that talk about the the the, the Blu-ray box sets doing a, you know, a wilderness years type thing, which I think actually, you know, there's quite a lot of material that probably could be put on there. But you know, dimensions in time is again, I think it's problematic. But also, um, I mean, in rights terms, not anything else. Yeah. And also, curse of fatal death which has been out on video but i don't know yeah it's weird isn't it like we 
all these little things that we're like, oh, but we have to have that. We it have to. It has to be complete. And then what? You know, when it's complete, what do we do? There's we just sit more. at them and, and just complain about them, saying, "Why is this not on it? Why is that not on it?" That's what we do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it isn't. I think you'll find it isn't actually complete. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that uh, is the is the way you sort of put the emphasis on actually? Mm. Yeah, that is such a fan thing to do. And of course, the thing is, you completely understand fandom. You've been to conventions. Well, we've been to conventions, and uh, we've been to good conventions. We've been to not so good conventions, and we've been to Dreamwatch. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and we're still here. Um, <laughs> God knows yeah. how. This is the thing. Like I, um, I've always been a fan of stuff, but the, but there is a point where you kind of. I always use the word tip, which probably isn't the right expression, but you, a, a switch kind of goes, and you you suddenly you. You just have that fan gene that becomes alive within you. So, you know, in the ninth by the nineties, I was certainly. I think I would say that. Um, I think I would say that. Probably. Probably, Mac probably McCoy's era was when it properly became a thing for me, and then, then I was just I was a I was actively, in pursuit of fandom. So, joining the Doctor Who Edinburgh group then opened doors for me to access things like Blake Seven and the Avengers and and to revisit things from my childhood like the tripods and stuff like that and and find all these weird I say weird, that's not right. Um I suppose they're weird to other people, but these little pockets of fandom that exist for all of these things and just interact with them and stuff like that. So I've always been an ardent like collector and uh, passionate about genre uh, programming, programming, or whatever you want to call it, but you know, and, and conventions, I just think are like the time, the times that the. I just remember laughing until we cried at these things, <laughs> and it, it's almost like the Doctor Who element of it became secondary. You know, we were there to meet these people and watch these things, and you know, what have you. But actually, it was all of us going away and doing, just being, just having a laugh about and Doctor Who is the thing that brought us all together but actually it was more than that and I think that's yeah. that's the way I've always looked at fandom ever since that it's not just about something that's you know you sit and do on your own it's something that you're able to talk to especially now obviously with the internet and that makes me sound really old but <laughs> you can reach out to other people and you can talk about these things what I what bothers me about it now is that there's the way that people talk about it almost too negatively and i know that you know back in the day there was um dwb and that was a bit of a gossipy fanzine and we also kind of loved it but looking back it was sometimes could have been quite nasty i guess but um so there are there are always less than positive elements to fandom but i've always enjoyed the good that comes from it and the the fun and the discovery and finding like-minded people who just really care about things in a good way um so i don't know it's just i just always feel like it's such a strange thing to me that i feel very grateful to be able to be part of that on a professional level on sfx magazine which i bought the first issue of in edinburgh on my way to a star trek group meeting thank girl um, Yes, Tank Girl was on the cover. Yep, yep, yep. I was there. Um, I got my, I got my copy. Still got my copy somewhere. Um, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can testify that. I mean, it became a, it really did become a social thing for us. 
going to yeah. conventions together and, and we group of like when we went to Monopticon in ninety four and yeah, it was ninety four and there were just tons mm-hmm. of us. There must have been about twenty of us between the Glasgow and Edinburgh groups. And just having a great yeah. time, and you know, I've still got the camcorder footage, not that kind of camcorder footage, listeners, of us just having a great laugh, you and I having a giggle in a lift and knotting ourselves over the most ridiculous of things, um, which hard. is the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. Of course we were, and we still are. Um, and, you know, the fact that, you know, five of us, when I moved up to Aberdeen, you know, sort of four of, the, four of you guys came up and we had an amazing weekend of our own called DoopCon and just had a great time just socialising and all we got brought together by a love of Doctor Who. And it just grew, yeah. grew from there. It's it's strange that it, it's it's always been such a big thing, but uh, when we when we all became friends, it just it, it almost became sort of secondary. It was the it was the connecting factor, but we didn't just. It's it's hard to sort of describe that we didn't just sit around and talk about Doctor Who all the time. Yeah, I mean, yes, we did talk about Doctor Who, and we still do. We here we are now, but <laughs> we we were sitting talking about just life in general. We it wasn't yeah. just. We didn't just come together because we liked Doctor Who. We came together afterwards because we were all we were all friends. Yeah, and it's you know the fact that you and I stay in touch and regular message. And um, I will say before probably skipping ahead slightly here, but we were both having a pretty shit time in 2017, and you were there supporting me. And I hope I was there, sort of sending you positive vibes. And when we we're both sort of feeling quite low, and just those we were to support, you know, people who understood it, people who get it, and. And it yeah. makes the world a difference. And I'll always be grateful for all your support and love in that time when I really needed it. So there you go, people. And There's a serious moment. Darren Scott is genuinely, although he's one of my most favourite, lovely, happy, jolly people, he's hard to go. So there you go, Darren. That's serious bit over. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about rubber monsters. Yes, or I thought you could say rubber mothers there, but uh, that's something else entirely. Let's, no, we're going to. Um, professional writing stuff let's um let's move on to that so of course you were you went on to do journalism at Napier University a few years after I'd done it and then of course London came a calling I did yeah I it wasn't it was funny because so many of the people that I knew through the Doctor Who group in Edinburgh um and um uh, were students at Napier University doing journalism and it hadn't it never really crossed my mind that it was something that I was kind of allowed to do. I um, just thought that I kind of had had my lot in life and that's what I'd been kind of allocated. So it wasn't until much later that, you know, a sort of a life event happened where I I kind of said to somebody that at the time was like, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll go and I'll apply to university and, you know, this pipe dream I've always had, you know, if you go and do this thing that will help you and... Ultimately, they didn't go and do their part of that, but I did. I applied to university, not thinking that I would get in. And actually, it was the the um, uh, fanzine stuff that really helped me because some of that had then, you know, been repurposed into newspapers and things like that. People had picked things up or whatever, and so I was able to go in with these sort of meager clippings and all of this fanzine stuff. And um, and yeah, thankfully, the the um, the lecturer who interviewed me gave me a place and I was just like this is a bit of a weird thing but actually it opened up so many new things to me because I I loved that time of my life being a mature student finally doing the thing that I really wanted to do rather than what I thought I had to do and it also it all comes back to Doctor Who it tied in with the time when it was coming Doctor Who was coming back so the newspapers were starting to have stuff about people that were going to be cast and things that were going to be you know monsters that were going to appear and all that kind of stuff so 
it meant that I was able to once again, you know, feed that into my journalism studies and everything. But then while I was doing my journalism studies, I applied for a job with uh, a paper which is now defunct. It's called uh, it was called the Pink Paper, and um, they they gave me a job as a Scotland reporter. So while I was at uni, I was doing that, and I used that to sort of slightly push my way a bit further in and say, oh, you know, do you want to do interviews with you know, certain people like John Barrowman was doing a, a, a personal appearance in Scotland. So I thought, oh, well, that's a good in. And it was at the time when I think Torchwood had just started. And also um, the Sladen was doing uh, the Sarajevo Adventures, the, the pilot episode. So that became the door for me to get into journalism proper, so to speak. And um, then as a result, they offered me a, a full-time job as a features editor. Um, while I was still at uni and I, so so much of that I, I've, I always say is down to Doctor Who and also um, Russell T Davis for bringing it back but um, he always jokes that um, um, that you know I always say that it was his fault that I'm a journalist a journalist now and uh, he always jokes that he should revoke that but um, <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny how Doctor Who has, has always been this kind of through line through my life that um has helped me personally and professionally and um you know as as we've as we've mentioned a few times we have uh, we have these wonderful friend groups that you can fall back on and and talk to you about all kinds of stuff that's going on but you know but then at the set and the the next day we can just get so excited about there's a little bit of news that's come out whatever because it's always there it's always in you so um yeah uh i mean it's funny how uh doctor who is uh, yeah, how my how my professional life, so much of it revolves around Doctor. Even when I was, I, I became the editor of Gay Times, did that for ten years, and you know I put Doctor Who on the cover of a gay magazine. Um, didn't think anything of it because why would you? And then we just had such, and this was after. So obviously we did lots of stuff. I think for season four, and then the specials, and then. By the time season five came around, there was a new PR team involved, and I, uh, one of the the heads of that was a very good friend of mine, and still is, and um, we just had the most ridiculous access to to Moffat's era of Doctor Who, and um, you know we did Doctor Who covers and all kinds of stuff for uh, for Gay Times, and um, in many ways, uh, it, it kind of it was like a. A, a sort of a very long dry run for what I would end up doing now um, because people would say to me oh you've made you've made gay times like like SFX <laughs> um, so now I'm just trying to make SFX a bit gayer no I'm not really it's quite gay <laughs> it, 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 it's gay by its very nature I think yeah um, I think yeah I think, I mean, with that, I mean, with that head, with a name like SFX how many people have misread that cover I know my dad did and was like what of the cinema oh, we're talking God. like 1995 96 and it's like what it's like, yeah. no it's sfx oh so, so there's something inherently sexy about it by its very nature <laughs> i mean we we still get that every month um somebody will you know you'll put the cover out and inevitably the f will be slightly covered and i just want to say categorically and i know that it says all the time we don't do it on purpose um because we're all quite mature <laughs> And oh, I mean, we are immature as well, but we're not that obvious. Like, yeah. We don't. At my at my ripe old age, I don't think the word sex 
is actually very funny. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't sort of sit there and giggle and go, ooh, let's cover the F. So, um, yeah, uh, more often than not, I'm, I'm saying to our art, art editor, John, who's brilliant um you know can we find a way to move it off of that so that it doesn't so because somebody but even if we do that people still say it looks like sex and you just go oh please <laughs> just please. be glad you're not working on fort magazine because then it could be really childish <laughs> well do you remember there was that ni- 90s one was it called clint yes <laughs> yeah and they knew what they were doing absolutely so yeah I it's not like that, about that. good god but, but once you get, I mean, SFX is nearly thirty years old now. So once you get to that point, you can't, you can't change it. You can't, you know, it, it, it is what it is. And um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know what the answer to that is. I think the answer to that is get your minds out of the gutter. Exactly. You're just a bunch of perverts, listeners. <laughs> so tell us how um, the SFX job came up and how you got that because it's a magazine I've always read a magazine I still read and I just love what you've been doing with it I know I still wake up and I get this kind of like I think what do they call it when they people when they squee I don't even know if that's how you say it because <laughs> I still kind of go oh my god this is what I get to do today again you know don't get me wrong like, there are days when it, there's there, it's like a big puzzle every month and you're just moving things around and doing the admin and getting all the things to line up in the right places and that can be a bit of a headache but still I still think you know this is a magazine that I bought the first issue I've always bought it I absolutely love it never thought I would be able to get anywhere near it really um because i've never had that um the the mindset of kind of going well why can't i have this i want to have this which is very it's a very now thing isn't it that people people can live their dreams kind of thing but i think back then i was just like you know got to graft got to take the job pay the bills kind of thing and didn't really think or actually aim aim for a thing so um it uh i was freelancing actually at that point i was really happy doing that uh i had i was i had done a, an office job where i'd been i'd been wooed into coming back to an office for six months Ooh, uh, daily star no it wasn't actually and i always forget that i worked there because that, that was um again the daily star offered me a job but it, I, it was on the tv mags and i didn't really consider you know it wasn't until i was there and i was like this isn't really me and also, I don't think they liked how camp I made their um, mend pages. <laughs> I enjoyed them. I thought they were fun. I bought the Daily Star for the first time ever. Oh, God. I think when you've got a weekly uh, recommendation page uh, for men's products and you're saying, here's a new, a new recently rediscovered Mel and Kim song, um, <laughs> probably not the target audience. Um, Although I have to say, I did always, again, Doctor Who was always in there whenever there was a new release. It was always mm-hmm. meant review and we pay it back. So, no, I was, I'd freelance, I'd freelance for another company who they'd wooed me in and I said I didn't want to do it. And they went, we're going to pay you this much. And I was like, I've never seen much money in my life. Yes, I'll be there tomorrow. And <laughs> it, it, as, I, as I predicted, it wasn't for me. So I left that. And by sheer coincidence, uh, a friend of mine, a PR friend, said to me oh have you seen this job because i wasn't looking for anything you know i was just i was just coasting along freelancing just doing little bits and bobs and enjoying myself not having any pressure or anything and my friend said oh here's this job it's at sfx um they're looking for 
an editor and I thought oh lovely you know maybe if they're looking for a section editor that would be quite easy I wouldn't have to you know it wouldn't be quite it wouldn't be stressful or whatever and you know perhaps but you always just think oh god these things always go internally it's not going to go my way and um, so thankfully if I if my friend hadn't seen that I would never have been aware that it was it was up for grabs and um, and I'm sure everybody else who applied for that job would be annoyed to hear that but uh, I um, yeah I applied and as I say I think so many of the things that I'd done before that were like you know the fanzines and all the stuff that I used to do in about genre like sci-fi or Doctor Who or anything, all the things that I'd done in other places elsewhere was basically like this huge portfolio saying well look I've basically already edited this magazine just by a different name and you know unfortunately uh, my my now boss um, and I um, she's the editor of editor-in-chief but she also oversees total film as well we just we just hit it off and um, you know we have a lot of things in common although I don't think she's as, she's not as into Doctor Who as I am but um, <laughs> I think she understands that somebody has to be so um, yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm again, I'm forever grateful to her for, um, you know, affording me that that opportunity. But yeah, I just still, I still, I know people say pinch myself, but it's just such a, it's almost like it's such a perfect match. It's, you kind of think this isn't real. Someone's going to turn around and say, actually, no, no. Um, so you know, I love it. It's, um, it, but it, there is something to be said as well for um, doing that Wizard of Oz thing where you're pulling back the curtain almost and sometimes you see things that you don't really want to see about the the things that you're uh, so passionate about and you know and you see the complications of it but also I'm quite used to that from having you know 15 years plus or whatever um, working in in all aspects of journalism so um, yeah it's um, that's a very long answer to your (laughs) short question I'm sorry that's all right hey you're a journalist you know the long answers are better than short ones you can just trim me. No. <laughs> that would be cruel. I'm going to give you the snip. Why would I do that? <laughs> I get, what, what should be the, 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 um, the overriding message from that, I guess, is to follow your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very yeah. good message to have. Yeah, it's funny you say that um, we bring Doctor Who into our jobs. At the Rutherglen Reformer, I brought in loads of interviews with Andrew Smith, Hamish Wilson... Uh, Nicholas Parsons, basically anybody with a Doctor Who connection to Rutherglen. I went to the Irish Post. I remember seeing that, and I did. I loved it, but I also laughed because I thought, oh, yeah, of course you would. Why wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. Went, people people yeah. want to read about it. Yeah. It's the local guy done well, so why wouldn't you? So newspapers mm-hmm. are, are wanting. Um, I went to the Irish Post, found that Jenny Colgan, who's written a few audios and novels, was from Prestwick, so... She featured quite a lot. And then I went to Scottish Field magazine and doing the website. And of course, Doctor Who's going to feature like anniversary years, like 10 famous Scots you didn't know were in Doctor Who, all that kind of clickbait nonsense. And uh, it did really well. And even, in fact, one of my last issues, I did a piece on Macbeth and who the real Macbeth was. And one of the things I managed to sneak in was a bit, uh, was the cover of the big finish story that had Macbeth and Lady Macbeth and a wee mention of that. So. We take it with us whatever we do. It's funny. I remember doing when I was at Gay Times. I 
we'd had um, you know Doctor Who on the cover a few times, I think, and there was the complaint from one of the directors saying, "Oh, you've turned it into Gadio Times," which you know, fair play is is a good pun, and I quite like a pun. But I also thought, well, why? At that time, Radio Times was the best-selling magazine in the UK, and I thought, well, why wouldn't you want to be like the best-selling? magazine in the uk particularly when you know the reason that you do that is because doctor who like you say there it has it has a following people want to read about it people are going to click people are going to buy doctor who is a big thing and you know you see now that the the um the excitement uh, you know rising again and you just think i remember all of this from 2005 and yeah as journalists we of course we're going to be we're going to be writing about things that we know are, are popular that's the whole point Exactly. Now, let's chat SFX. I would imagine that not only do you get uh, trips to Cardiff in there, you'll, oh, I know you've been a little further afield with some as well, haven't you? Um, I went on. I went to LA on, to go on set for Torchwood Miracle Day. Uh, and that, funnily enough, I actually mentioned this in the latest issue of SFX, which is available from all good news agents now. I went out to LA the day after Liz Sladen had passed. And um, I was, this is, I mean, it sounds really ridiculous because I didn't really know her that well. I knew her, but um, not to an extent where I'd be sitting on the plane flying out to LA crying in the morning. Um, and we went on set. Um, and I met up with Russell T Davies and he'd just been doing his bits of camera for the, the Liz Slayton tribute show and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, it was an odd experience because I'd flown all the way out to LA to do this great big, huge American version of Torchwood. And um, the set that I was in was um, a Cardiff kitchen, <laughs> so, which Russell thought was hilarious. That, you know, it, we'd flown all the way out because it wasn't. It, I mean, don't forget, don't get me wrong. There was no, there, there was no on paying for this. It was this was all magazine back when magazines had more budget. It, yeah, it certainly wasn't something that the BBC paid for. So it was, it was quite funny. But um, yeah, I mean, and also, you know, I get, I do, I get to go to San Diego Comic Con, uh, New York Comic Con. I've, you know, I've been on set for various different um, films and TV shows and what have you uh, so you know not all Doctor Who related although hopefully very soon we will start to um, we will start to, to pay more frequent visits to Cardiff bit of an exclusive there for you um, we've not yet SFX has not yet been uh, on set for the new series but um, hopefully soon the, uh, the floodgates will open it's funny I did actually go to Cardiff because I was adopting a new dog and posted a picture of myself at the Cardiff station. And then everyone just assumed, and it just became this thing where people were like, oh, SFX are doing Doctor Who. And it just, it grew legs. It was so funny. I was like, I'm literally going to see a dog. Yeah, so. That's the mad, mad world, isn't it? I mean, basically anything that, I mean, if I tweet anything, People pick it up and it turns up in the forums as being sort of like a hint at Big Finish. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times I've tweeted something saying, oh, something really exciting coming up in the next Vortex. And then I see it in the forums as, oh, something exciting is coming. It must be Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi joining Big Finish. It's like, no, no, no. Or it's, or it's the Rani. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get that quite a lot. I'm, I'm a bit more, I'm a, 
I'm a bit more careful about it. But I'll, if anyone ever asks me, I'll always say, I'll always be honest and explain something if anybody asks me on social media about something because I'm quite happy to chat to people as long as they're nice because sometimes... Yeah. I, I'm not, and I'm not just saying this about Doctor Who fans, I'm saying this about things with um, the internet generally. Like years and years and years back on other magazines, I... Would ex- somebody would would come into our mentions and say something like, "Oh, you know, you've just done this because of whatever," and I would say, "Oh, no, no, we did it. You know, we did this because of this." And then then they would just say, "No, you didn't." And I'm like, "Well, I did because I'm the editor, and that's the decision I made." So I sometimes you kind of feel like, "No, you don't. Just shouldn't. You shouldn't read the comments, and you just never respond." But also, I think it's, I just, I don't know. It's just, I think it's polite if people, if people are passionate about something and they want to engage in conversation about you know Doctor Who or Star Trek or whatever then I'm all up for it but if people are just coming in going oh this is shit or like okay that's lovely but we don't need to have that conversation oh, um, definitely not so <sighs> there's always a negatron for every optimist prime Darren <laughs> nerd <laughs> you've got me in one <laughs> yeah it's fun so what's been your favourite non-Doctor Who thing that you've done with SFX <sighs> I mean, we did a... uh, I always loved doing Stranger Things because I love the show. um, And it's just... And again, that has a thing where there's there's just an excitement level that you don't often get because I think... Because it has a younger fan base, possibly, that they are... They're not sort of comparing it to something that's gone before. Um, So they they just kind of love it and they really embrace it, the whole thing. So there's not this kind of debate between fandom about what's good and what's bad or whatever. It's just all kind of good. And so I did that, uh, doing, um, done a couple of covers for them. And also we did a big thing on the Dark Crystal and we did, you know, this is so silly, but it's it's such a nostalgia thing for me is being able to work on a magazine where I can make stickers it's so so such a silly thing but i love it like the the fact that i can put together a magazine that has art cards posters and stickers you're like this is great like because i know that people will like that like i like it because because the people that are reading sfx are just the same as me i'm the same as them and they're the same as me we're we all we're all really into things so that's really good fun for me but i i have to say that this recently being able to have such good access to the third season of Star Trek Picard has been brilliant and that is largely because um, CBS and Paramount um, in the States I've known them for years now and they're they're just lovely to work with and they're kind of I almost imagine them going oh god here comes Darren with a list of huge (laughs) requests but they know that they can trust me because and they always say you know when they introduce me to the cast or whatever they say oh this is Darren we trust him we love him he does all this good stuff and you know you can say anything he won't spoil it because this is the thing I'm not I'm not coming in from a tabloid mentality with SFX it's always coming from a place of love and appreciation and to be able to really highlight something that that the filmmakers made that they love, that we as consumers love, but also we as as sort of gatekeepers know that our readers are going to love. So being able to do such extensive coverage of Picard, which this season has been so incredible, such great television, 
is really good for me because it also showcases to other people like this is what we do because it's not just a one and done we don't just go oh this show's coming out you know here's a little preview and next thing please we really want to get into the nuts and bolts of it as fans do and you know as i say i grew up reading um doctor who magazine sfx these kinds of things where they where the features and the articles are really in depth and really passionate about something which i don't feel a lot of other magazines necessarily do and that's not a dig at other magazines it's just the fact that you know we're we're a specific type of audience so that and that has um that has shaped the way that i have done features and things over the years so it's it all kind of it's bizarrely it all kind of comes back to the same the same thing that uh have how much we love these things and how it shapes everything but yeah i think i think the star trek stuff has been has been really good but i mean getting to go to san diego comic con is just a i hate, I hate to sort of to be a big cliche but it was kind of life-changing yeah. it's such a it's such a incredible experience um if you can hear a strange noise by the way it's my dog sleeping beside me I um <laughs> it's not me <laughs> you're not asleep and chatting mid-interview <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just being around all those people who are so into stuff it's just it's kind of euphoric in a way it kind of lifts you like i get a kind of natural come down after these kinds of things where you just think just being around these people who really care and they want to show up for it and you know that even will dress up for it even now we yep. know that wasn't didn't, that was really a thing in in my in my early convention days but um yeah it, the whole that whole experience is 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 so good um just you know there's so many things about sfx i can't even it's difficult to put it all into words really because just just walking onto a film set or a tv set and smelling the wood where they've they built sets and things and it's, it's i don't know it's it's just it just transports you and i suppose that's yeah. the that, that's the whole point of um the genre that we we love so much i guess yeah completely get that because i when i was at gallery last month just that five six days in a bubble and it's just amazing and you do get that sort of euphoria and then it's i mean we used to find it bad you know coming back from dreamwatch when we got the bus from london back to glasgow and then the bus started leaking on top of us when we were sat side by side and just and you pulled the curtain over you so you managed to get some degree of dryness <laughs> so funny you remember that i remember from that journey uh, of just that journey being so horrible mm -hmm. um I don't think I've ever taken. I don't think I've ever taken a bus that far again. But I remember. I, I, I remember getting cold sores because of the being on that bus. It wasn't so, from me kissing you. Just to clarify. <laughs> Keep your hands off my Zarel. <laughs> Down boy. Down boy. So before we finish up, Darren, tell us what's in the current issue available in shops now. Oh, what would be of interest to your listeners? I suppose it would be the huge interview with Russell T. Davies, um, which, I mean, I didn't do it. Um, Ian, our deputy editor, who has been with SFX for forever, um, he did it. And, um, you know, as much as it pains me to admit, uh, I wish that he would do more features like that because they are great. And um, this is no exception. 
the Russell T Davis chat is just great. You know, you got some really good stuff out of him. Um, so that's that's there. There's another. Um, there's yet more of my um, intense Star Trek coverage. What else do we have? There's Dungeons and Dragons on the cover. There's the new Evil Dead movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of weird because there's so much stuff. Like you know how much now there's how much genre stuff there is and. Um, who has thought it would be here, you know, nearly 30 years into SFX and struggling to fit it all in because there's just so much of it because it's become so popular. Like back when we first met and, you know, shortly after when SFX first came out, you know, being a nerd wasn't cool. And suddenly it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of been assimilated uh, into popular culture that everything, all of these things are now really cool. Um, and it's funny because SFX has been there the whole time and I think people don't really realise there's a lot of people don't realise that there is actually a magazine out there that is perfect for them that uh, is just it's full of it's literally stuffed um, to the brim with stuff that's 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 right up their street so um, yeah I'm just trying to make people almost remember that uh, that old that old geeky friend is still there and they can reach out and have a copy yeah but we've obviously got um big plans with it's the anniversary year we have a feature in every issue to celebrate the 60th we also have a new news page for the 60th um, and these things are getting more and more exciting there's more stuff coming in the bbc is speaking to me more and more i chat to russell quite a bit but that's mainly gossip and not about doctor who sadly <laughs> so yeah you know the wheels are turning and um i is this see i'm getting really nerdishly excited about it i am so excited about what we can do in sfx for the new season of doctor who because you know famously people know that it was quite difficult under the last um production team they were very uh closed set and that was their decision to keep things secret which i understand but it was quite difficult for magazines who were a long lead um, to be able to cover in that respect. It wasn't so difficult for the TV listings, Mags, but this time round, I think that, you know, having worked with Russell many years ago and all those people, I think that it will be very different. And um, I think that it will be, again, back, you know, back to when I was a kid writing about Doctor Who, which is going to be, but now I don't have to, um, I don't have to explain myself to anybody because that's my job, which is great. <laughs> It's perfect. So you mentioned uh, you like to hear from nice people, quote unquote, on Twitter. Where can people find you on Twitter so they can follow you? And of course, SFX. Um, SFX magazine is the Instagram and Twitter handle. Um, And I am Darren underscore Scott on Twitter or Mr. Darren Scott on Instagram. I think one's probably more work oriented than the other. (laughs) But yes, um, I, yeah, I think uh, both SFX and myself will, um, you know, we, we do reply to stuff wherever possible. I say we, I like, like that, the royal we. So, yeah, just give us a follow. Check the magazine out. Yes, hashtag you, buy a magazine. Hashtag buy magazines, yes. I promise you, I promise you that there will be more Doctor Who content than, than you can shake a stick at. Um, what, are we talking my Diana stick going back to the start of our Dungeons and Dragons conversation? Your Diana stick or your Steg stick? Yes, from <laughs> which is still in the loft. <laughs> People are gonna, we, we should probably clarify exactly what that is. Rather yeah. than... <laughs> yes, it was um, from the Dreamwatch convention 
1994 and um, we were in the bar and I had a drink stirrer which Darren very kindly melted for me into a bizarre wonky shape and it was originally a Sontaran gun but it became a Steg Steg, Commander Steg and yeah, it was all melted and wonky and I still have it somewhere in the loft with my Dupacon badge. <laughs> That's how you've just described us as well after all those years, melted and wonky. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are but we love it Darren yeah. thank you so much I've Perfect. absolutely enjoyed it it's been fantastic to catch up with a great friend and chat about a fantastic magazine thank you but before we go Darren we've got one thing to do we always finish each episode with a tune so as our guest I don't know what you're going to suggest but obviously there's a myriad of tunes from our youth that we've enjoyed from recently on Top of the Pops Darren what tune would you like us to play out with today it's probably going to have to be dupe, isn't it? Of course it is. What else? So yes, let's turn back to March or so, 1994, when we were in the Queen's Arms, not literally, a pub, and uh, we were getting up and dancing around. <laughs> During the Charleston, of course. We were. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week, and thanks again to you, Darren. Thanks, bye-bye.